0: All right, welcome back to episode two of the ADH Dads. How you doing, JJ? Hey,
1: buddy, doing all right. Got my kiddo in bed after a long day of uh, play and crazy and all the all the wild stuff that goes on at our. Oh house.
0: yeah, it's post holiday season, so we've got presents all over the floor, wrapping paper still out, and uh, all the toys for us to step on. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We uh we got one one um gift that uh I was really excited for him. Uh we put it on his wish list and his aunt got it for him. It's this uh, uh microscope. And you know, it looks all nice and shiny and stuff. And it wasn't too expensive a thing. You pull it out and you realize, Oh, that silver is not metal, it's just plastic. Let's let's make sure we handle this thing with care. Yeah. And he's like he's like taking all these slides and throwing them all over the place. I'm like, Okay, this is gonna be a short lived microscope, but uh yeah, we uh, we we looked at so like apple slices and uh, onions and stuff through it. And he was just like all about it. So,
0: dude, Fun those stuff. were the best gifts. I remember my favorite, one of my favorite gifts I got as a kid was a microscope, like this, yeah. you know, science kit that my dad got me. And I think that was probably the only gift that I didn't lose like within the first year of getting it. You know, I had that microscope for like four years, and I would you know, look at everything in it from <laughs> blood whenever I cut myself to fingernails and dirt and whatever animals
1: yeah, I mean, and bugs you find outside. Got to love those STEM gifts, dude. They really, yeah. do, uh, or they really give for a long time. But my, my kiddo, amazingly enough, he asked for just one gift from Santa this year. He wrote a letter and everything and and uh, and Santa brought it to him. And uh, I don't think we're going to lose that one because it's a dinosaur toy. Imagine that my kiddo who's obsessed with dinosaurs and it's bigger than the dogs. <laughs> So so that thing's not going to be lost anytime soon.
0: (laughs) So uh, how many, I'm curious, how many gifts does Santa
1: bring your household? You know, it's, it's kind of a cool mix, man. So, so Santa will bring maybe one or two and the rest come from dad and uh, and then of course, family members and stuff. So, so Santa kind of just like delivers on the big thing. Last year, uh, what, what my kiddo really wanted was, um, you know, those Thomas, the, Tank engine, uh, wooden tracks, and wooden oh yeah trains. Yeah, he uh, he really wanted an Amtrak that would go on those, and sure enough, Amtrak actually sells sells those um, Amtrak trains. So so I you know I, I looked online, and I was like, well, Santa's got a you know he's got to dish out some money for this Amtrak stuff. <laughs> so so <laughs> so yeah, last year he was pretty pretty happy with that, and so Santa's been delivering each year. So and and I'm glad. I'm glad that he hasn't asked for, you know, uh, like, a like I guess a car or something because, uh, I'm not prepared for that yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: I yes, asked. Cause, um, when I was a kid, uh, I think more presents came from Santa than they did from mom and dad. And, um, uh, I- when you know um i came into this relationship here to spoil the kids around the holidays my wife was like uh, no santa brings one gift uh we're getting credit for the rest i want them to know yeah. where gifts come from so oh man <laughs> i hear
1: that i hear that i had it last year where he's like yeah santa brought me this gift i'm like all right, well, got some other stuff for me, but you know, I've got a <laughs> thanks,
0: Santa. yeah, we yeah. we uh, spoiled the kids this year. We got them everything on their list, and even two Mercedes that they didn't even even <laughs> ask for. Those little battery powered. <laughs> All right, <laughs> so we're already we're already spoiling them to the point of buying them cars, multiple cars on the holidays. Yeah, so Don't that's been our, to get the
1: extra batteries. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, our little one has just been in heaven riding up and down the the driveway here as I take out the trash. So it's been a
1: fun holiday for us. That's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah, we've we've made we've made good uh, good on our holidays. In fact, you know, you actually sent us uh, a uh, a little excavation kit in the form of a big egg and a plaster egg with little dinosaurs in it. And uh, you know, for a kid with ADHD, <laughs> that thing was not, those little tools, nah, that yeah. wasn't enough. You, you no. know, this thing like a ball you throw it just and like, against the concrete. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that so would been my were method. <laughs> <laughs> we came in, and I'm not kidding you, dude. Our, <clears throat> our black our black coats were more like you know, like a whitish gray at that point. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nice. I'm glad yeah. the little one got some joy out of that. Oh, yeah, that we're so we're
0: here talking about co-parenting today is the topic mm-hmm. of our episode, and what a perfect around uh, a perfect topic around the holidays here because uh, I think that this probably tool is most needed for our, our situations, right? I think a lot of dads are, are challenged uh, around this time of the year, um, you know, with the logistical stuff and who gets kiddos on what day and for how long and who's spending who on Christmas and what gifts are coming from who and how they're shared. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into that. So um, I'm really curious to kind of pick your brain today and kind of see how your experience with with it this holiday season and kind of uh how it's been throughout your journey of of divorce here and um yeah I, I would just I think it would be a valuable insight um to our listeners here so yeah please how how was the holidays in this time of year who who got who got uh, the little one and and how did you guys divide that time up what did that look like
1: yeah, man. So you know, I, I mentioned uh, uh, you know stuff on co-parenting in my experience in our in our first episode, and uh, I'll just kind of circle back around to uh, the experience that I had with the uh, I've had with uh, my, my kiddo's uh, mom, and it's primarily uh, very cooperative and uh, just amicable, and it has been for almost the entire time post divorce. Um, we were trying to settle into what was best for our kiddo early on. And um, there was some fear that came into what does that look like when we were still kind of leading up to the divorce because there were high emotions for obvious reasons. Um, and uh, with those high emotions and on, you know, and, and kind of that, that's that uh, mentality of what is the other person going to do? I know we're really kind of struggling to see each other here and now we're having to navigate through uh, what we believe is best for our kiddo. And at one time during it, I remember both, both she and I had that feeling like, you know, am I going to have to fight this person for custody? Um, and the good thing about our situation is both of us kind of had in the back of our minds that we want our son to have equal time with his parents. And if you look at like the, the, uh, the research and and what a lot of kids say in survey, um, that it is that they want both parents and they want both parents equal time. Um, And then for kids who have been raised primarily by one parent, usually it's the mother or has been for quite some um, time of our history. uh, A a lot of kids 10 years down the road will say, I wish I would have had more time with my dad. Um, I wish I would have had more nights over at my dad's stuff like that. So, Uh, the, the, the thing that we, you know, we tried to, uh, keep in mind was what is healthy for our kid. And of course, you know, we had to kind of think on his behalf in some ways because he was two years old when we got divorced. Um, what does help in the situation that I was in is that I was in a state, um, which more and more states, most states now, um, feel this way where unless there's reason um, like neglect or, or you know obvious abuse taking place on one side, um, the states are going to rule fifty-fifty custody, and that's again that's kind of based on research and based on you know based on what kids uh, say they want with their parents. So we did have to develop a parenting plan, which is part of you know the process of going through divorce and uh, and creating you know that that essential structure um, legal structure post divorce. Um, but what we did again, we have a very cooperative style of parenting. There's a little bit of parallel parenting in there, which basically the cooperative is you know you talk about uh, how you're going to parent from one house to the next, and parallel is more you know that person does their thing and this person does their thing. There's no attempt to try and you know do the same thing from house to house. We're, we're right, kind of in right. the middle of that, so yeah. so we do the cooperative style in many ways, and we talk to each other. We you know we we ask each other questions like. You know, how have you handled this situation? How have you handled that situation? So you can kind of see with the process of going through, you know, time with kid or time with mom, time with dad, that that's also something that we developed over time where yes, we have a parenting plan that we can fall back on, but that's not something that we have to stick to. If we're going to have discussion, if we're going to be able to, you know, let's say uh, maybe she has a work event and that would be her custodial night. Well, she can come to me first. In fact, I think it's even written in our parenting plan that we have the first right of refusal, which is a, a very weird way of saying, you know, like, I am the first person you ask um, if, if I can you know, watch my kiddo, um, mm. which I'm very grateful for because we've done a lot of that. So when yeah. it came to this Christmas, um, specifically, you know, this year it fell on a Sunday. Our transition day on the weekend is Sunday is at noon. And I asked her, my parents were coming to town to visit, um, you know, if she wanted to switch up the the schedule at all, because we had kind of different things back and forth um, during this last month, including I had a trip uh, to Missouri and um, and she also had something going on for her work stuff. So we were we were kind of swapping back and forth. But so I said, you know, do you want to switch it up? My parents are in town and she said, no, I want to stick to Sunday at noon. And, you know, I mean. My parents were only in town for a couple of days and they would have been here through Monday evening. Um, so that just simply meant that, you know, my son wasn't going to be here with my parents um, visit for, you know, almost half of it. And uh, I, I just kind of looked at, you know, looked at the response that she gave me and said, yeah, that's fair. That's that's back on what we're currently agreeing with. Um, I didn't think of it as something where she's trying to take advantage of me or she's just not willing to work with me. It was more like, yeah, when it comes down to it, she doesn't need to give me any reasons other than, you know, this is the this is the schedule that we agreed upon. So, yeah. So, Cohen, um, he, on Sunday morning, opened up the remainder of his gifts because he kept asking <laughs> the days leading up to Christmas, can I open a gift? Can I open a gift? And, it, you know, it was really funny by the way, my mom's birthday is on Christmas Eve, which they were here for. And, uh, (laughs) in her birthday card that we gave her, he wrote, he wrote to her, can I open some gifts on your birthday? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, yeah, that's I mean, the thought
0: process of a kid, right? Yeah. <laughs> How can I get <laughs> gifts out of this? There's there's presents around here. I know one of them could be from
1: me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so he, uh, he asked her that. She was fine with it, you know, so he opened up some gifts on her, on her birthday. One one awesome thing, by the way, I know this is, this is apart from the co-parenting thing, but actually it's kind of related to co-parenting. I'll, I'll jump into that really quick. One thing that the courts usually say is you have to agree upon a variety of things when it comes to raising your children. Uh, a big one that sticks out for everybody is religion. <laughs> and that's a tough one. Let's say one person has a religious faith and the other one doesn't. Well, you would think that the default would could only be that the child doesn't go to church because the person who doesn't believe doesn't necessarily want their kid to go to church because that goes against where they're Uh, you know, non-belief exists. And, um, so, you know, how do you work with that? Well, for the most part, we work really well. Um, but my mom, she wanted to go to church on her birthday and we went to a candlelight service and, uh, they had a, uh, part where they called the kids up for, you know, a children's message and lighting candles and stuff. And Cohen went up to the front after some hesitation, (laughs) he raised his hand he had his hand like this he was holding his hand up with the other hand because he was getting tired um but yeah he he was uh he was really well behaved um and he might have you know disrupted a couple of times or interrupted nothing too extreme um but i was very proud of him to to go up there and do that and i even shared that with his mom i took some pictures in there and you know, she didn't say like, how dare you take him to church or something like that. So uh again, you know, it's a very open and honest uh, conversation. Um, schedule-wise. We we work really well together and, and I've I've yet to really come into any sort of real conflicts. That's it sounds like there has to, to be answer.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, it sounds listening to you here, it sounds like there there needs to be a lot of um a lot of curiosity and compromise right like you you can't just be so steadfast in in your way or the highway like you know i mean a relationship in general is 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 a two party system right um but ever so more needed in a a co-parenting dynamic where, uh, you guys aren't living in the same household and the kid is, is bouncing back and forth. And, you know, there may be different rules, different structures. You, You had mentioned, you know, parallel parenting and gosh, I think, you know, growing up in a divorced, uh, households where my parents also got divorced when I was about two years old, you know, so I don't, really remember them together uh, most of my dynamics around the holidays was being split you know I, I would go to my dad's for a little bit or my mom's or you know whoever i was living with you know mm-hmm. would go visit for for the month of of uh in, of summer and you know for a couple of weeks and during the holidays and I, I remember that being very stressful as a kid you know like uh nav- having to navigate who I was going to upset or who I was going to let down, who was going to be alone on Christmas or, you know, and for the existential crisis of a five, six year olds, you know, that feels heavy, you know? So, and, and, and I, and I know a lot of, of us adults get wrapped up in, in the, the emotions of the holidays, right? Uh, especially if you're, you know, a, a single parent and, and you don't have the kid for the holiday that could feel very lonely. Right. And, and, uh, that's a lot to, to process, you know, so I, I always, uh, remember thinking about that as a kid, you know, and I don't know if a lot of, a lot of adults are also thinking about that too, of, of maybe what's going on in, in the heads of our of our little ones, you know, in between their ears during this time, because, you know, we may still be dealing with with the trauma, the hurt, the, the past, the the feelings, the regret, the loneliness, the what have yous around this time of the year. So um, that's really cool that you guys are are able to kind of <clears throat> step back and allow a little bit of trust in one another, you know, um, and a little bit of leeway there. Um, I, I like that term, that, that parallel parenting versus, um, you know, the co-parenting dynamic Again, when I was growing up, I don't think that we had a. Uh, my parents had a very uh, healthy co-parenting dynamic. Um, it was very much parallel. Uh, we don't talk, you know, at dad's house is dad's house, and, and mom's house is mom's house, and they didn't seem to interfere or talk too much. You know, I don't remember my parents uh, ever being in the same room, you know, at the same time. My dad and my stepmom and my mom and me all together you know one time i can remember that and it was when i went to go visit my mom for the summer and 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 got hurt and ended up in the hospital and having surgery on my hip and you know my dad and and stepmom went to the airport together and there was an exchange from me to them and you know when i was about maybe 14 years old and that's really the only time i can really remember all all four of us in the room at the same time so and, and that's something that like you said you know a kid wants that equal time as much and i think that that's probably what sticks out the most to me in my experience in a divorce household is as i just wanted that equal time as much i just wanted you know just as much time with dad and mom and i didn't want to feel like uh i was the one that had to choose or that they had to choose you know or that i was leaving somebody in the dust there and you know you guys are are in the same state you've you've made a choice to to move out of state, to be closer to your son and, and your ex and to have that experience in life. And I definitely commend you for that because, uh, you know, my mom lived in Boston and my dad in Arizona. So, uh, you know, going back and forth was, uh, you know, once, once enough or twice in a year, kind of, kind of ordeal, if that, you know, so I, we didn't have the opportunities to bounce around in Christmas or, or split our weeks like that. So, um, you know, I, I think you're, and your kid is at an advantage to that because I think a lot of um, parents kind of can look at this both ways, too. I've I've heard a lot of dads talk and a, a lot of moms talk about not wanting to do 50-50 because that can be disruptive, right, to a, a child's habits and, and routine. Um, but, you know, here you are making it work and, and creating great examples, healthy examples of, of co-parenting here. So kudos to you, brother.
1: Thanks, buddy. Uh, yeah, I got to ask you a question um, because you know we do the fifty-fifty, and we split our week um, essentially down the middle. Uh, if it, you know, if we do the math, uh, I, I generally have him a little bit more time. Um, but uh, my question is this: you know, um, obviously, it's hard on the kids, regardless. You know, going from house to house, and you know, I mentioned we've been talking parallel parenting and and there's still, there's still some of that going on with us. (laughs) For example, she's a little more open with her language than I am. (laughs) And uh, she gave me a little bit of a warning uh, text before I went and picked him up on Wednesday. And she said, (laughs) he's been swearing a lot uh, (laughs) at home. And we've had the conversation (laughs) about keeping that at at home. And uh, so that he comes over and he's playing Mario brothers and he's just like, he's cursing up a storm. And I said, Hey buddy, I think what would be good, um, to practice at home is, is not using that language because I think it's easier to use that language or at least slip up when you're at school or somewhere else where it's not really considered acceptable. Um, and you know, if, if I were to have my way, which I don't think I need to force my way onto her, um, I would say, you know, just, let's just not model that in front of him at all. Um, not that she's actively thinking like, ah, I got to implant all these words into his head or anything, but you know, kids and some things that are off limits—that's an exciting thing for them. But um, <laughs> but the question that I have for you, Colton, is, you know, I'm I'm my kiddo's going back and forth, you know, every week um, throughout the week, and uh, you know, it's hard on kids. I think, regardless of what transition looks like, yours was over greater periods of time, what, what do you think that would have been like for you had it been, you know, something more like what we're doing every week, would that have been something that you would have had, do you believe you would have had greater struggle with, or was that something where you kind of started to ease into the routine of one household? And then when you went to the other household, you ease into routine. Um, mm. That's a, that's a interesting question because
0: Oh, man. Um, I, th- you know, I, th- oh, man, off the top of my head, I, I kind of want to uh, agree with the train of thought that I, I think that the, the less disruptive pattern is is almost better. Um, but I hate to say that and admit to that um, because, I you know, I want a 50-50 dynamic here and I want to create that. And I think that that's important for a kid and, and you know, um, you know. Gosh, but honestly, if I think about that and maybe what that would have done for me, I think maybe it would have been disruptive if if I had both parents in the same state and I and I was going like that, um, back and forth, transitioning from rules or households. Unless maybe there was a a better structure there for co-parenting, because um, I I don't know if that can work with parallel parenting, you know, if you're doing 50, 50 like that and splitting the time, you guys really have to be on the same page, right? You you know, you have to be steering the ship in the same direction, you know, where for me, and I had the, that longevity in between the times I was with my dad and not seeing my mom and and going to visit, you know, the rules of dads were the rules of dads. And, And again, mom maybe didn't interfere with that because I'm with dad for the next nine months, you know, it's, it's, that's that's his rules and that's his house so you know she didn't maybe feel that there was much power that she could say there unless it really maybe came to some some severe uh uh consequence moments where maybe I got in trouble for, you know, with the law or underage drinking or that's a sto- that's a podcast for another day. But you know, when it came to those situations, maybe there was uh, there was some talking on the phone and some coordinating about what course of action to take and that st- type of stuff. But I think that, you know, your dynamic and the way that you guys space it out, you guys really kind of have to be in and talk a little bit more about that stuff. And, you know, like I said, I, I hate to, uh, to say that the disruption you know that i feel would have a negative effect because i really i you know again i think the whole point of this podcast and this episode specifically is to talk about how can we like garnish those those relationships right yeah man it
1: is tough and again too uh, i think the the big thing is is like how do the parents parent like you were saying you know the kids want to just you know be with their with their parents and, and how did the parents parent i think affects a lot of a lot of that and uh it's, it's definitely tough, um, but has major positives in, in our experience. Um, one example, again, you know, like I said, we get along great. We do really well co-parenting. Um, there's was an incident at school where uh, they, they asked if somebody could come and pick up uh, Cohen um, basically during aftercare, uh, right when it started. And, and they called, or I think they messaged us. They texted us both, or something. And they said, you know, somebody could pick up Cohen, and it was her custodial day. Um, but I know her work is a greater distance away from you know school than than my my home is. You know, because I work out of the, out of the home, and uh, so I just messaged back saying, "Yep, coming right now to get him," uh, and uh, picked him up. And and his mom wasn't you know responding to me like, "Why did you do that?" It's my custodial day. Um, instead it was more, um, you know, what time can I come pick him up? We work it out. And that, that's, that's really helpful and healthy for our kiddo to see. Um, but it is still tough, you know, cause he goes back and forth so frequently. He, uh, he asked recently, um, why can't we all be together, live together? And that's one of the first times he's asked that in quite a long time. And it's a very difficult answer. But what I did say, cause yeah, you said, you know, I, I moved across the country. Um, my ex's, uh, job essentially is, uh, highly specific. So, um, I can work from anywhere, but, uh, you know, because of that, I, I said to him, I said, yeah, I really understand, but it's, it's hard. You know, we want to see you every day, just like you want to see us every day. Um, but we did move here as a family. We just live in separate households, Uh, So I guess the reiteration, what you will read in the, you know, in the books you read about co-parenting and and divorce and stuff is, is that this is something that has, you know, the decision hasn't been made because of the child's behavior or because of something the child did. It's, it's not that at all, you know, you, you love them dearly and, and, and that's what you're there for is, is to be a parent, to be present and to let them know that, that, you know they're, they're, you know, the rock and they did nothing, um, to, to create the situation. And therefore parent, the parents are going to be there for them, um, every day, all the time. And so that's what I kind of told him. I said, you know, I'm always going to be there for you. Um, sometimes you're at mom's and I'm still there for you. And sometimes you're at my place and mommy's still there for you. Uh, we just live in yeah.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of guys can get really wrapped up in the, it's it's not my weekend, or it's yours, or I've got this thing to do, or it says this and you need to do this, or it's your time kind of uh, mindset. Um, so I think it's really important that, you know, the kids are at the forefront of that. If both of you have that, then this this is easy, right? The co-parenting, the communication, the boundaries, the the rules, the... You know the difference is it becomes easy because as long as your your kid is 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 at the forefront of it, you know um, it's easier to get to a conclusion with that. So how do you navigate the boundaries then? How do you do? How do you navigate the disagreements? You know what? What if uh, you know? you find out mama's got a rule that, that, that you don't have or, or vice versa, you know, uh, mama finds out you've got a rule that she doesn't agree with. How do how do you guys handle that? How do you, how do you chip away with that? And what are, what are some ways that we can compromise on some of these things?
1: Yeah. I, I, th- I the, one of the big things again, you know, because we do parent, um, in separate, you know, separate times, we don't overlap. Um, I, uh, I've entrusted her with, you know, making the decisions that, that she believes are best for you know him when he's with her. And I believe she does the same. I would say, honestly, if I were to kind of think about this and I, and I I'm, you know what, I'm going to be back and forth here. Sometimes I think she's the more permissive parent. Sometimes I think I'm the more permissive parent. Um, what does that say about us? It says that we're trying to figure this stuff out, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, I know through my experience with her being in relationship with her that, uh, we have certain different personality differences. And, um, what I always kind of fall back onto is like, you know, I might not see things, the world, the same way she does, whether it's politics, religion, what have you. Um, but she sees my son the way I see my son. Um, which is he's a beautiful gift of this world. And we have the opportunity to help him succeed in this world. What is, what is helping him succeed look like? It's, you know, it's gentle guidance. It's, it's encouragement. Um, it's, it's an effort to keep in contact with each other about important things, um, and, uh, kind of go from there. So, uh, going back to when we were first going to get divorced, I kind of made this like this, almost like this mental switch, I knew that my relationship with her was essentially going to change. We were going to go through an uncoupling process and now we are going to be a team. We're going to work together for the success and well-being of our son. So I, you know, as you you've heard in research, you've heard in books the the idea that is child-centered focused. So how do I how do I communicate with her? Well, it should probably be child-centered, especially toward the beginning. And she actually, Colton, drew a boundary with me at one point that I was really, you know, I was really confused by at first, but then I kind of understood more later. She was dealing with a lot of the emotional turmoil that everybody goes through when they go through divorce. It's it's hard. You're grieving a loss, essentially, a death that doesn't truly really die. Um, it just it takes on a whole new uh meaning. Um, I would send her pictures of Cohen while he was with me. And of course there are pictures of him smiling, not him, you know, like drowning in his tears or anything like that. And she, she asked me, she said, can you please not send pictures of him? And what I realized in those moments, you know, she, she said, you know, this is really hard for me. Um, I was a few steps down the road. I had gone through the process of forgiveness and, and, you know, kind of acceptance of where I'm at and she was still trying to grieve what the loss was. So here I am sending happy pictures of Cohen and she's still, you know, thinking this is, this is, you know, a a reminder of, I am not seeing my son every day and me, I was sitting there thinking, Oh, I bet she would love to see Cohen doing well. Well, you know, he's with me or while he's not with her. So she, she drew this boundary and it took me a little bit to think, you know, Yeah, I need to get outside of myself and get into the shoes of somebody else. Regardless of the pain that experience, what the pain was that we created toward each other, none of that is as important as our child-centered focus now because we are in the process of uncoupling with each other. Yeah.
0: You know, I, um, being the stepdad, uh, here, I, uh, would like to offer a unique perspective, (laughs) um, because, you know, boundaries is a part of my world here, you know, um, in a co-parenting dynamic, uh, between exes, you know, I'm the guy in the middle, (laughs) you know, trying to help out, but also trying not to step on anybody's toes or overtake somebody's parental power or, you know, um, but also still trying to feel like I have a voice and, you know, um, but it's a, it's a tricky road to navigate. You know, um, I've definitely dealt with a lot of, you know, uh, what, what is appropriate for, you know, uh, the new guy to be doing, uh, with participating with the kids or taking over or, or, you know, um, with helping with bath time or getting the kids dressed for school or what that looks like or how soon is too soon or when you inter- let somebody help with that in a relationship dynamic or if or when it's appropriate, you know, from dad's perspective or bio parents perspective. Um, you know, so there was a lot of, uh, tricky, uh, scenarios that, that I had to be open with, you know, um, because these aren't my kids and, um, I can't go in with guns blazing saying, you know this is how we're gonna parent and this is what i believe is right and i don't agree with this and you're doing this this and this wrong right because no person especially no man wants to hear that from some guy coming in and you know uh trying to hang out with their kids you know so i, I think uh for me or or for uh, people in um uh, step parenting dynamic or or dating somebody with with kids you know i think that there, there needs to be an openness and a curiosity to it you know um i i Take more of a. I try to. Uh take more of a, a passenger, uh, position, you know, with the parenting. And, and then I just try to support my wife and what she's doing and sure I can offer opinions and we can have some great discussions about it. But, you know, at the end of the day, I try to support her and, and, and see her perspective and, and the way that she's trying to, to parent with the kid's dad. Right. Um, cause again, I, I, I don't want to want to rock the boat here and, and I definitely don't want to, um, wants another man to feel like I'm, I'm coming in to, to take over the the, the kingdom, so to speak, you know? Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a part of my world and, and I definitely have to approach it with, with a curiosity and an, and an openness. Um, and there's been moments where, you know, um, you know, from my perspective, I just want to come in and help. And you know, I want to. Oh God, you know, I see this this single mom with three kids, and bath time is a mess and chaos of the witching out. The kids are melting down. Oh, it's ah, you know, like I just want to get in there. And you know, all right, here I got the towel. Let's go bedtime. You do this, I'll do this. You brush, I'll I'll get the teeth. You know, well, I got the bedtime stories picked out. You know, all right, let's nail it. Tag team, boom! Yeah, we did it. You know, that's not that's how I want to help. You know, um, acts of service is definitely one of my love languages and how I like to express myself in a, in a relationship, you know? Um, but again, you know, uh, those can be triggering just like pictures can be triggering, right? You're sending it from a perspective of look at this beautiful thing that we've created. Don't you want to see it? And, but you know, for certain stages of this process of divorce and that could be triggering, you know, again, I think that over the course of these three years here, we've we've chipped away at some of those boundaries in my dynamic and we've been able to kind of, you know, reevaluate, pivot and restructure, you know, how I'm helping and where and when and what that looks like. But, you know, um It takes a little bit of curiosity, a lot of patience, you know, just because you're ready to, to, uh, set a boundary, accept a boundary or, or walk a boundary doesn't mean that, that the other person is, you know, and it also doesn't mean that they won't be down the line or with talks, uh, or support or or healthy communication, you know, so a lot of talking
1: from me. That's good. (laughs) Um and it's it's definitely a a difficult position to be in as you know as I don't want to like add to the uh reinforcement of the stress of the situation, but it is a difficult position to be in because you know just the idea of entering into a you know to the picture as you you know as we put it um the timing of that. The timing of that from the kid's mom might be one, you know, might be one timeline, and the timing of that from the kid's mom's or the the kid's grandma's perspective could be different, or you know, the ex's perspective, or your own perspective, and if you ask a bunch of people, what that timeline should be, you know, for when, you know, a, a p- possible romantic partner should be introduced to the kids. You're probably going to get a ton of different answers if you just enter a room and ask the question. So it's not an, it's not an easy place to be. And, and that's why, you know, I kind of fall back on that whole child centered approach, you know, you got it. Of course we have to hand over some trust to our, uh, to our former, you know, partner, former spouse. Um, to make those decisions because we are no longer part of that decision process. We can focus on our children and say, you know, I believe it's best for the children if you introduce this person at this time, but that's, you know, that's not the Trump card here. The Trump card is the person making the decisions for themselves and their happiness. So, uh, what I would say, um, from my perspective, Colton, which of course is related to your situation is, um, the fears that I would experience, I would imagine from my side of things is is if Cohen's mom does find somebody is, well, Cohen, you know, see this guy as like, he's the friend. He's the cool guy. He's the guy coming in and, you know, bringing all the fun to the situation. And, uh, and then he comes to dad's and dad has more rules and, you know, expectations in the household because this is the established house. There's that fear, that jealousy. But what's more important here? It's the child-centered approach again. And I would love, absolutely love for Cohen to have another male father figure in his life that is reliable, loving, caring, you know, helps him with everyday things, choices, and listens to him. That to me is, sounds like a phenomenal outcome for my son, a much more stable and healthy outcome than if he's going to just have to have a father figure here a mother figure here in his mom and his Mm. dad. And and that's it to me. No, I mean just the amount of stability and structure that comes from an additional person is, is a huge gift. Mm. Obviously, you know, you talked about discipline techniques and stuff like that. That's, that's a complicated thing. And you know, again, there's timelines and stuff and how do you implement that from the person coming, coming into the family? I think that's a discussion for, (laughs) for an entire episode or two or three. But I would say this much, I would say that the, uh, the person coming into the family um, n- typically has the responsibility to be the united front with the biological parent. So what does that look like in, in the household? It looks like you support your wife, you understand, you learn her, and therefore you are applying motherly techniques with your children in the house. As this progresses and as you become more comfortable as their parent figure and uh, somebody that they can trust. Um, And I believe you've already established that for yourself, buddy. And it's awesome. You have one of the coolest families I think I've ever not officially met in person yet, (laughs) but know (laughs) enough about to be like, for me to say like, I want that. that's, That's the truth of the matter is I really want that. And, uh, if, if that can happen for my one boy someday, um, man, I'll, I'll be so happy. Uh, the rest of life doesn't matter. (laughs) We've already accomplished something major.
0: Well, gosh, you know, thank you, JJ. I appreciate those words. And, you know, I, I think it's so important for me, um, to be the supportive figure, uh, in this scenario, because, you know, from my own experience, you know, my, I, I had a stepdad. I still have a stepmom. You know, my dad and my stepmom have been together for over 20 years now. And, you know, um, uh, and my, my stepmom and, or my stepdad, um, you know, came and entered and left the picture. you know, within a five-year period or so. He wasn't in the picture for too long. And I remember it being a, a very toxic experience. And me and him definitely didn't have a, a close relationship. But, you know, if I, I think back to, like, how my stepdad handled it having a kid in his life versus how my stepmom handles it having a kid in her life and i'm trying to think about what we're talking about here and you know i think the the very masculine approach from my from my stepdad was the you know well you're in my house these are my rules and i'm gonna make it you know um where my stepmom was more of the approach that we're talking about, well, this is your kid, you get the rain here, and you you get to say, because this is your kid, you know, to my dad. But I also felt that that created maybe a little bit of resentment um, between my, my dad and my stepmom, and between my stepmom and me, you know, and that there was maybe some... <clears throat> Maybe unsaid feelings or hurts or desires that never got really touched on throughout that whole experience, uh, for my stepmom and and for me. You know, I I don't know too much about uh, what happened between my mom or my dad or my stepmom or my dad. All I know is that you know, dad and stepmom were together before he met my mom, and they didn't work out. And my dad met my mom, had me. And they didn't work out and dad and stepmom ended back up together you know so i always uh maybe felt um a little bit of you know on un, um unsaid resentment there coming from from my stepmom um it's never been really talked about or expressed or you know but i just i felt that as a kid you know and, and maybe that was just in my head or a little bit of insecurity that i had but and you know again now that we're having this discussion um, maybe maybe trying to pinpoint that resentment to, uh, you know, uh, that, that power dynamic in, in, in my dad and hers relationship of maybe not having as much of a say as she wanted with the rule setting or the discipline dynamics and, and that kind of stuff. And when she did try to take over it, oh man, we, we clashed heads, right? It was all, you know, you're not my mom kind of talk. And, you know, so I wasn't the easiest kid, you know, to, to deal with her and, and to want to listen to her. So I think that's very important for me and my journey as as a step-parent is, you know, how can I listen? How can I not yell? How can I discipline as least as possible? Which I'm going to be honest with you, brother, you know, as a parent, you got to discipline at some time. I, and I don't, and I, I, I'm using the word discipline But I don't want to, I don't use it in a consequence type of uh, shame, punishment type of way. I'm talking maybe discipline in a more communicative, let's talk about how your actions affect people or the world around you kind of discipline or this is why we shouldn't do this because of A, Y, and Z and these are the repercussions. Not go to your room and because I said so and go to a timeout kind of discipline,
1: you know. (coughs) Yeah, that's no, good, buddy, because I can tell you today, <laughs> I had a day where it was definitely not the best response to the challenge that was set before me. <laughs> but, you know, one thing I, I, I you know, this is kind of coming off the top of my head based on what you said, which I appreciate. This is a, this is a brilliant thing to kind of uh, keep rolling here is, is, you know, the idea of uh, stuff unsaid and possible resentments and stuff taking place with a step parent. Um You know, it is a different dynamic. Uh, We'd like to think that people can just make it work, you know, the first time around, but that doesn't always happen. But when you do choose to date somebody who has a child, um, you're doing what everybody does when they date people, anyways, which is you didn't know this person until a certain point in their life, and now you're getting to learn them. And kids are an extension of us in many ways, too. So we're getting an opportunity to learn more about our dating partner through their kids, which is a pretty remarkable thing. You get to learn about what their relationship with their kids is like. And that gives us, you know, a good understanding of, uh, how to, how to manage relationship with them. Um, and, uh, so, yeah, I guess my big thing is, is, is the conversation, like you said, is communicative being curious and asking questions and stuff with our, you know, with our dating partner and, and their children. That's, that's ultimately what gets, progress and gets us to, uh, to a, a higher level of relationship. So we're still dating somebody who has a history of being themselves over many years. And, uh, you know, whether it's talking about finances or politics or religion, which tend to be, you know, <laughs> divisive topics, uh, rearing children is a yet another one. That's, that's something we have to kind of, if we want to have kids with somebody, or if we want to be involved in a family of established, you know, children and whatnot, um, that's, that's just another part of getting to know the person that we, you know, we want to fall in love with. So I think it's a, it's a great opportunity at that point to, to in the dating process and eventually, you know, uh, meeting the kids to, to learn more about this person that we're trying to fall, you know, that we're hoping to fall in love with. And man, can you imagine falling in love with Bonus individuals as well. That's a, that's a pretty remarkable place to be. It doesn't mean that it's easy. It's actually usually much harder, but it also gives us a greater opportunity to, to experience a depth of love that we wouldn't otherwise, if we were just dating back in high school.
0: Hmm. You know, the, the theme that I'm kind of pulling out from this conversation here seems to be curiosity, you know, even going back to how, how we co-parent here and, and how we, we talk to our kids. And, you know, I think curiosity is really the key. I was a a horrible communicator, man. My last marriage, I was a horrible communicator for most of my life. I was, you know, I, it was just like, feel emotion, uh, vomit out, you know, and, uh, uh, I think, and through that lack of communication, I, grew a lot of frustration and resentment for a lot of my communication partners because I didn't have the right tools to express myself or to be curious or to know what to do with the information that was presented to me. You know, I would get misheard or misunderstood and and get defensive because I wasn't heard right or that person was taking this out of context or treating me this and I didn't mean to say that they heard this, you know, but that's a, that's a me problem. You know, that is the communicator's problem. And, and God, I remember button heads with my dad so much as a little one, you know, about my dad trying to get me to don't use this language or use this word or it's, it's, it's Nate and I, not me and Nate, you know, or whatever it was. And I was just, you're not even listening to me. It's like you don't even want to understand me, you know, but, uh, you know, <laughs> He had such good, good points there. You know, it's like taking a communication class. You got to have your ethos and pathos and your right setting. And you got to have the right emotion and the right dialect and know how to present your information and, and who you're presenting to and not for the sake of manipulation, but for the sake of curiosity and compromise. And a lot of people look at compromises, both parties are losing, right? You never are getting what you want fully. A lot of people look at it like that where I I look at compromises as as everybody wins, you know, as as, again, if we approach it with curiosity and the success for me with uh, in more recent years with my communicating has been the curiosity aspect. How can I how can I put this conversation into a question? How can I ask you a question and see what you think you should do rather than me telling you what you should do or what I think the problem is or or how to fix this? You know, what do you think it is and how do we get there and what tactics would you implore and how does that make you feel? And, you know, I I think that that curiosity and generative inquiry uh, aspect of it is really how we can chip away at this and build bridges.
1: Yeah, man, and, uh, you know, the, uh, it's just, it's it's funny to me when we think about, you know, marriages breaking down and uh, what often takes place is, is we, uh, we tend to have a lot of curiosity at the beginning of a relationship. You know, people call it like the honeymoon phase and stuff. And, you know, th- at that time or at that stage, people can't do anything wrong. Like, oh, I'm sorry for this. I'm sorry for that. You know, oh, yeah, no. I, oh, yeah. What did you think about you? There's just so much curiosity toward the beginning and it shows us this interest in this other person and you know in some ways we put them on a pedestal and think they can't do any wrong and then we you know we start to move in with our emotions and we get comfortable and stuff and then we start to realize uh you know not not intentionally we we start to uh we start to try and in some ways inject ourselves into their story and if it doesn't quite fit right We start to feel something inside of us and eventually, Mm. you know, those turn into arguments and stuff. And then you talked about defensiveness. One of the big things that I think it's, it's like a, it's, it's, it's a complete opposite side of the coin is um, you mentioned curiosity. The other side of that is invalidation. Invalidation works in a way Mm. where I am, I'm not really listening to this person. I'm just waiting for my opportunity to speak because this is my situation and my situation actually comes before yours. I'm going to, I'm going to, instead of really truly listening to you and showing curiosity, I'm actually going to speak over you and invalidate you because whatever you said is incorrect. And this is the correct way of thinking too. Often we find ourselves or people find themselves in a state of invalidating their partners and, and that erodes or corrodes and erodes the trust that was built through that initial curiosity. And, oh, this person's so amazing. Now we're telling them, oh, they're actually not that amazing. And here's why. Um, cause I need to speak over them because my, my stance is actually more accurate and therefore yours, meh, you're incorrect.
0: Brother you're speaking my language. I think I spent the last 9 years of my previous marriage having the same argument that we just never got to the end of because we just kept interrupting each other. You know, before the the point was actually made, you know. And I, and I think man so many marriages fall into that trap, you know, of yeah, but you said this before they even get to the 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 point of the argument. Yeah,
1: man. Uh you know, there's I I definitely was a uh uh, was a, I don't know, invalidation ninja at times, uh, in my marriage. And there, there are things that unfortunately I saw after the fact that I'm really disappointed in the person I was, uh, (laughs) for example, you know, I was the one who did most of the cooking, did most of the the meals and stuff. And not always did I clean up the kitchen afterward. And that was a, a sore spot for her. Um, she would, you know, she would talk about how, you know, usually would come out in a way that wasn't probably the healthiest, but she would get upset about the kitchen being so messy. And in my mind, I was thinking, how, how petty of her to get so upset about this all the time? Like, doesn't she see that I did this? I cooked this and stuff. Well, now you see how what I did is I made it about me. I didn't think about, okay, perhaps we have this conversation that just needs to happen about the trust in this relationship, the expectations. I mean, for goodness sake, I never breastfed my son once. She certainly did a pretty damn good job of that. Um, and it was, it was expected of her and she took on that role and she probably took on the role of caring for him throughout the night far more than I did. And I got into the comfortable space of, well, that's, That's kind of her role because she has the, you know, the, the milk to sustain our child. And then here I am getting meals cooked and stuff. And then, you know, just kind of leaving the dishes every now and then a messy kitchen. And she's like, well, you didn't fulfill your end of the thing here. What's the deal? I mean, why can't you Hmm. take care of this? And I would get upset, saying, "I've cooked. What are you talking about? I've did all this stuff." And it, you know, the, the the arguments were more complex than that. But still, that's essentially what took place. is I did not give allow her the opportunity to not feel, or to to feel, you know, like like she was kind of being underserved. Um, and that's, that, that's a big issue that uh, I think a lot of people get trapped into is that they think of themselves and their situation first and their defensiveness rises and therefore the trust goes away.
0: Yeah. 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 Think about how many marriages would be saved if we were all as selfless as a breastfeeding mother. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're right though. in what you're saying here, you know, uh, we, we do live in this tit for tat kind of mindset, uh, as human beings and especially in relationships, you know, where, like you say, we go into it in the beginning stages with curiosity, but somewhere along the way there becomes this expectation of, well, I, I cooked, how could you expect me to do the dishes or, you know, and uh, you know, we can't. Sometimes you just got to just accept your role and, and, and you do it and 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 you make the marriage work, you know, without the expectation of, well, you know, I'm hoping for the foot massage later because I gave the back <laughs> massage now or I'm hoping for the meal now because, you know, I gave it the last four days or whatever. You know, sometimes it just is. And, and think about how many arguments can be saved um, if we can get away from that and just, you know. Be happy to be happy to be the one to cook, cook and clean every night, you know, while yeah. while mom's breastfeeding or are doing her thing or whatever the role is that you guys have established, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: And of course, it's a very complicated thing, but just if we just think of it this way, recording somebody, we're 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 trying to make a great impression. So we, you know, we cook a meal and then we say, "Oh no, don't worry about the dishes stuff. I'll take care of it." You know, you're pursuing this person, and then you know, let's it's working out you two are together and, and then you stop doing that well this person sees oh well he used to do these things for me he's not doing it for me anymore my value must have decreased something in me is not valuable enough to him anymore you know there's going to be some things where you know like you make a you make a compromise and maybe you don't do this this time or that time but when it becomes a regular thing the partner in that situation the receiving partner the person who's supposed to be expecting these acts of service from us is going to look at that and say you know i don't know what it is but something in something about me must not be good enough in this relationship that i'm no longer being served in this way and that's that's a painful thing to think about
0: It's uh, funny that we're kind of talking about this now because I was dealing with this kind of similar situation here. Um, Let's see if I can explain this with a little bit of curiosity and patience as my wife sits right next to me
1: and is going to hear the story and be like, what? What happened? I just got to unmute and laugh a little bit. <laughs> By the uh, way, but- we, 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 we came into this call, Colton, as the co-parenting, you know, uh, subject, and I just want to say we're doing a brilliant thing as ADHD dads right now of kind of kinda going <laughs> off on a tangent and really running with it because we, are, we yeah. are hitting some good stuff here. <laughs> that's all right. My wife hasn't looked
0: over at me yet. She's got her headphones in, so I don't think she can hear me too much. So I'll, I'll be safe to uh, to describe the story. But you know, um in my in, in our dynamic here, I am very much the, the the kitchen nanny. You know, I cook all the meals, I, I clean, that's that's my space, that's that's my heaven. I enjoy cooking. I, I find it very therapeutic. I can go in there, I put on my headphones, get away from the sound and just chop, 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 slice, 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 method, method, method method, habit, 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 rhythm, 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 you know, and I just can zone out and just kind of fall into that and, and I like it, you know, and and I, I come from a, um, a big Italian family on my mom's side, you know, always cooking and that's a lot of my love comes from that, you know, and, and then in the kitchen was never a, a big thing, but there's some very traditional mindsets revolved around that um, with my mom and stuff, you know, um, with where, where around the holidays and stuff, especially, you know, uh, there's so many people, there's not enough seats at the table it was a very uh, italian machismo mindset even with the women of our family of well the men sit at the table and eat first you know the the food's ready there's not enough seats the men sit and eat first the women hang back and sip tea in the kitchen and you know, it was like that kind of stuff. You know, and um, my 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 mom is here helping out for the holidays and stuff like that. We're both sick, taking turns being sick. My wife was sick, and I had to you know step up to the plate. And then I got sick and was running to the bathroom every couple of minutes, as you know from our last trying to a- a- attempt to record this podcast and us having to stop because I was having some porcelain problems. But anyway, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so you know, my my mom. (laughs) And we're, we're just kind of talking about some stuff. And, you know, she, my mom kind of made a comment of, well, doesn't Maritza ever cook around here? You know, and uh, I kind of got a little defensive about that at first, like, "Oh God, ooh, Mom's judging me," you know. Oh, I gotta, I gotta step up. I gotta show her that I can, you know. <laughs> whatever. I don't know. You know, it's just like you get the insecurities; they all bubble up. I don't even understand it. It's just bubbling up, <laughs> you know. So, you know, but I I went back to my mom later that day, and I said, "You know, you you said something earlier that kind of like I've been thinking about today about that, and like you kind of said it in a way that it may be a problem." problem to you or that you had some thoughts about that, you know, and and I just want you to know that this is a dynamic that we have communicated about. We've talked a bit about it. And though I know that it maybe is a little unconventional, a little untraditional, you know, I'm I'm happy to do this and to pick up the responsibilities. And she's great in a lot of other areas and picks up the responsibilities and the slack in a lot of other ways. And sure I could tit-for-tat and say, I cooked the last seven meals and you should cook me one, especially while my mom's here and, you know, uh, whatever, whatever the case may be, you know, but why? <laughs> you know, Why? you know so let me instead of getting that self defense that machismo that oh, i come from this and i my family says this and or whatever i need to defend my power or place in this house i was able to approach it from a well why are you why are you feeling that way mom what's going on what makes you feel that way or see that or or say something about our dynamic when this is my stance on it and this is how i feel about it you know, instead of, I'm right, you're wrong, and you should see things my way, finger in the face, waggle, 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 listen to me. In my household, you don't tell me what to do. I was able to say, what's going on with you? How, why, where's that coming from in your space? Because I'm fine with it, and this is why, and these are my reasons. I've talked to my wife, my partner. We've come to the conclusion, so what's your hang up about it, and what's going on with you? Either way, I'm fine. I've given up that control over you and your thoughts I'm happy with mine, you know? So again, just a little example of, of how I'm trying to implement that curiosity with uh, what we're talking about. And like I said, funny that you, you mentioned the, the, the food and the cleaning and the cooking, cause I'm sitting here, just, just had that conversation today. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. And it's cool. You talked about curiosity and we talked about invalidation and those, those can both easily play a part in those conversations. And, um, curiosity going back back to the co-parenting thing uh w- that's one thing that i honestly again when i when i started when i started this process of becoming a single father after a divorce um i had to somehow make that strategic move uh i don't know if it was really necessarily strategic or just a natural kind of progression but all right, I gotta be child centered. What does that look like? It looks like I am not anymore coming at somebody that I that I should have an argument with because I disagree with, but rather, you know, a place of curiosity. Because when you open up the opportunity to give the other person their voice through through uh, at least a you know a method of curiosity, uh the walls come down, the trust starts to grow and the opportunity for them to be more curious about your situation also becomes more likely so you become an advocate for their you know for their situation just by simply asking questions about it because you haven't you haven't judged it instead you have you have given it merit and an opportunity to to really stand on its own um and that can also create change over time not that we want to be manipulative through our curiosity but a lot of times, if you're curious with somebody, they're more than likely going to find a way to become curious about your situation as well. It's not a guarantee, but it definitely works a lot of the time. Um, people who essentially are enemies throughout their lives, if they if they just switch that curiosity on, it's pretty amazing how quick they can find out that there's some things about this other person that make them interested and uh, actually make them kind of impressed and uh, and therefore... They're going to expect that, or they're going to see that in return as well. Is is this person with curiosity coming to them? Well, if you know you you see this this way, and and um, I, it looks like you have some you know some merit behind how you see this, and then you ask a question. Chances are that person's going to be like, "Oh, cool! They really thought something of me here. I wonder what it is about them in this way." It, it's it's amazing the returns that that exists through curiosity
0: well said JJ I really like that a lot and um, I think now is a good time to end here uh, something that I would like to do um, at the end of these episodes here is uh, give our listeners some resources um, if you have anything based on what we talked about today or or anything that you may be think may be of value to the listeners um, I would definitely like to talk about it now or, or throw it into the chats um, I've got one here you know we talked a lot about um, you know uh, curiosity and, and, and empathy and uh, one uh, one uh, book that I wanted to kind of throw out there that I think has been very valuable in, in my communication is uh, Chris Voss's Never Split the Difference um, an FBI uh, interrogator and negotiator uh, this guy uses you know some pretty uh, cool tactics surrounding you know his experience uh, in that field and how it kind of can pertain to business uh, marriage and parenting and there's just some really really great stuff in there about, you know, tactical empathy and mirroring and validation. And uh, like I said, that was definitely like an eye opener and a head splitter as far as just kind of opening my head and mind and and thought process to uh, a way of communicating and and dealing with things. So um, that's definitely mine. If you have any that you want to kind of throw on top of this here.
1: Yeah, man, I've I've got a few, and of course we'll we'll continue to kind of expand the library as we have uh, ongoing topics and discussions and stuff, and we'll you know I guarantee you we'll be circle around a lot to this stuff too. Um, but uh, kind of one of the basic ones that I not basic one of the uh, manuals that I went to went to, uh, to kind of. Um, Oh, more or less navigate the process of divorce and stuff. And and, uh, specifically, you know, working as a team, family or whatever, uh, post-divorce was the co-parenting handbook, um, which the subtitle is Raising Well-Adjusted and Resilient Kids from Little Ones to Young Adults Through Divorce or Separation. And that was written by Karen, Karen Bonnell and Kristen Little uh, it's, it's a good one for anybody going through divorce and wanting to make sure that they're there for their kids and also in some way there for, you know, for their, um, other partner in the process of divorce, their divorce partner. Um, another one that I've been reading recently and one of the guys that, uh, I've been mentoring as well is is picking it up and we're going to discuss it together Is co-parenting works, helping your children thrive through divorce by Tammy Daughtry. Um, for listeners, just FYI, there's uh, it, it's kind of biblical in some ways. It, it's practical, but then they also talk about you know God was God made you this way and, and that way. So so there is some of that talk in there, but a lot of the sound concepts are still there. You know they talk about cooperative and parallel parenting, um, and then they talk about other types of parenting that are less less uh, successful. Um, so that one's really really good. And then you know when it comes to the idea of curiosity, one of the big books that really helped me a lot. To essentially put to practice the idea of curiosity how do you how do you um, create um, curiosity in any situation is it's called make peace with anyone by David J Lieberman and uh, they do have like kind of a little asterisk in it saying this is not this is not designed for manipulation tactics this is not designed to control a situation but generally what you can expect from these types of strategies is this type of outcome and this type of response from somebody. So it's, it's very, uh, it's, it's very um, good practical tips to, you know, taking on a, maybe a difficult conflict situation or, you know, like in, in my situation with, uh, like my parents, um, kind of trying to talk with them and, and essentially coach them through how they can be more curious about my son. Um, mm-hmm. lots and lots of different scenarios that really helped me a ton, Um, kind of develop my levels of curiosity that I use today.
0: Not to worry, guys, we will have all those details in the show notes for you, all the links to the resources and where you can pick those books up. So do not worry if you didn't catch all that. Uh, But thank you very much for tuning into this episode of the ADH Dads. I'm CJ. I'm JJ. There it is. (laughs) All right, guys. Stay tuned next week. Uh, We hope to hear you back. Please like, please subscribe, and uh, we hope uh, you like the stuff. Please stay tuned. See you next time. See you, folks.